Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is Matt Liner, and you're listening to Reign of Troy Radio. Reign of Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Could I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Get Michael Castillo on the phone. Scratch. <laughs> Up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. Oh, I can't believe USB is five and seven and not going to a ball. Oh. All right, Trojan fans, turn up the volume. It's time for Reign of Troy Radio. Here's your host, Michael Castillo. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Reign of Troy Radio, episode 325, coming to you on Tuesday. August 20th, we're going to talk about the Trojans going into the season, because this is our preseason bonanza roundtable, whatever extravaganza you want to call it, with our friends from Traveler Hates Thursdays and USCFootball.com. We've got Kenny Martin here, we've got Keely Yor, and we're going to talk about USC and open up your mailbag and so much more here on this episode. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Reign of Troy, like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Reign of Troy. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast, Google Play, and Spreaker. Our bonus episodes are on Patreon, patreon.com slash Reign of Troy. Our email address is Reign of Troy at fansider.com, and our phone number is 213-373-1872. I'm your host, Michael Castillo. Join along with my co-host, Alicia Deratola. Hello, everybody. Hello, Alicia. This is an interesting setup because we are here with our pals uh, from Travel Hates Thursdays, Kenny Martin. Yes, I'm happy to be here. Uh, Will and Simone could not make it. Will has barely made it to our own show recently, so <laughs> that's to be expected. And then Simone, apparently this is a commute for him. He was the only person in California not willing to drive up. Should, so. should we mention that you guys are in the new Reign of Troy studio in L.A.? Oh, yeah, we are. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, along with Keely Yor of USCFootball.com. Welcome. Hello, hello. I'm excited to be here. You've been to now the Rot Studio and the USCFootball.com studio. So tell us how much better ours is. Wow, it's just so much better. It's amazing. <laughs> I, uh, Alicia, don't twist her elbow too much. Like, it's no, obvious no. there. <laughs> You know, we, I just, I did feed her, so. True. You know, she won me over. Yeah. And it's a lot better than the THT one. Ours is just three cans we hold together. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, we're going to talk about SC on this episode and a lot because there's a million questions. There's a million things to talk about, about the Trojans going into the season because it's a crazy season. Uh, it's do or die for SC coming off of last year uh, because I don't know if you remember, uh, Mr. Martin. SC went five and seven and didn't make it they to didn't a, bowl. Make a bowl. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because we needed a reminder of that. Yeah. That's right. Well, every episode, apparently, we need a, reminder. a reminder. Yeah. <laughs> Which I love, by the way. It makes me laugh every time. Well, I had to redo it because we couldn't still say. Well, originally it was Rose Bowl champs and then it was Pac 12 champs. We, we couldn't have it. I mean, either would be a lie. Yeah. Or yeah. you could just, like, do one of those perpetuity things. Like, like you could have changed it to 2017 Rose Bowl champs or something like that. Oh, Which would yeah. have sounded stupid in 2019. Yeah. So. I like it as is. 
the point is SC has to come uh, back from that five and seven and find something uh, to feel good about in 2019. So that's going to be our main topic here in this huge mailbag roundtable bonanza extravaganza, whatever you want to call it. I feel like we're naming the Supreme Pizza or something, but whatever this is, uh, it's going to be a fun episode. Let's get into the topics with uh, a little bit of news up next, talking about the Fall Showcase. We'll be right back. All right, guys. It was a big week for USC last week because the Coliseum opened, kind of, sort of, maybe a little bit. Uh, there was the ribbon cutting ceremony uh, on Thursday, and then on Saturday was the fall showcase. All three of you guys were there. I wasn't, so I just, I guess, I'm gonna have to ask you guys the questions about how it was. What was your thought of the Coliseum and you know being there, and then not only on Thursday but on Saturday and for the fall showcase, Alicia? Oh well, I mean, it was it was good to see real football. It was less good to have some periphery uh, things sort of put me off kilter. Uh, it was good to be in the Coliseum because I love that stadium and I think the renovations look great. It's uh, the Coliseum, not a stadium, but yes. Well, the Coliseum is a stadium. It's the Coliseum. It's, uh, the renovations semantics. did look great. The renovations, thank you, Kenny. The, reno- <laughs> the renovations look great. Uh, that the parastyle. O- the only, pr- oh, yeah. the, the naked parastyle is beautiful. just beautiful. Oh, it's is the there curves. a plan? For the Heisman jerseys to come back? Yes. Okay. There uh, is? I thought, I thought they oh, were Oh, are gone. they not coming back? I thought they were <gasps> gone. I've heard... I take back every nice thing I've said about the Coliseum thing, renovation. That's the last thing I heard is that they're gone. Yeah. But what are... They, so they're just going to leave that... I thought they were just going to br- pull them out. Because they, they they used to not have them there, like, during the offseason. They take them away to, prevent, pr- to protect them from the sun. Last I heard they were gone. I mean, I could be wrong. I was oh. going to say, don't quote like me on that. that. Well, it's time to mutiny, guys, because everything. I don't like that at all. Every nice thing I've said about the Coliseum renovations is now null and void. Really? They <laughs> were the heck? they were like faded and well, not they can put exciting. new ones. Put new ones. Yeah. They should have the they should have the Heisman numbers represented in the stadium. Yeah, I will agree with that. Well, now that I think about it, they don't have the Rose Bowl or national title banners. I'm guessing that they're going to oh, yeah. that they're going to put those on the facade of the tower. That would make sense. That would make yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is where they well, they have been. Well, that's and that's the thing is they're still in the middle. Like the renovations are complete, sort of, but they're like they had to cancel the but stadium tour yeah. on on Saturday because they were not ready to have fans touring the, the the facilities yet. So and like you know from Keely and my perspective, the elevators weren't working, so yeah. it was a pain in the butt to get to and from places. So like that was less good, but the the football was fun like i'm just i'm still very torn about the whole thing because like there was genuine good things and it was exciting and but there were also like if i choose to be grouchy about it i can be very grouchy about it i mean it's we, like we a, heard the car cast so yeah yeah <laughs> it, it really was like a rorschach test yeah like your feelings i think going into it made a lot reflected a lot at the end of it and yeah. like it was also a weird occasion where I feel like it was a better experience to not be a member of the press and to just go and enjoy it as a fan. I got to watch every drive. Yeah. I just got, and I could tweet about the whole thing if I wanted when I was in there. Well, and there's something really nice about sitting in 
the stands and just sort of like enjoying what was a beautiful day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. it was perfect weather. Yeah. It cooled down a bit. Yeah. Like, cause that was, that, that's one thing that I miss about, um, going to games as a fan is just being able to sit in the Coliseum during warmups, like just sit back and like enjoy the view, which you really don't get to do if you're in the media. Cause you're always running around doing something, getting ready for something or being in the press box, which you don't get the same kind of view. You're kind of separated from everything. So yeah, I, I do think that it it's interesting hearing the perspective of the people who were able to go as like fan fans because it, it is a different experience than the people who come as media because there's just a whole other thing that's coloring your day. Yeah. What, what say you, Keely? What was your, your thoughts of the day on Saturday? It was – what's funny is I had kind of my thoughts and then I listened to the car cast and I was like, oh. Same. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like I was like, oh, she's she's spitting some fire right now. Like <laughs> I I agree with – the some of the the pessimism especially when it comes to the offensive line um but overall i thought they kind of showed what they were what we've seen in camp so far um, i think that was also why i was a little frustrated because it was like i've seen this now 10 times i i'm tired so were you of it. were you expecting something different no i wasn't i mean i told i told the thd guys like we're going to see this we're going to see the same thing, but I wasn't happy to be right about that. <laughs> so was, you did want something I different. I did want something different, <laughs> yes. I, I will say from my perspective, and I tweeted this out from the THD account, I thought JT looked like the guy. Yeah. At the show Well, I'm, we're not making that up. Like, that. that's what I, I hope that the showcase showed people is that, like... Did, did the, it showcase the, him? The, well, that the the media aren't shilling for JT Daniels. Like the media aren't. No. This isn't a vast yeah. conspiracy that we're trying to put Jack Sears or Matt Fink or Keaton Slovis down. Like, but I don't, I don't, uh, Keely, I don't think I've heard your thoughts on like the quarterbacks coming out of the showcase. Like, yeah, I mean, I think it pretty much solidified JT Daniels in my mind. I think I had kind of always felt that way. I, I never really felt like JT was ever losing. But I've totally identified with what you've been saying this whole fall camp where you can't really articulate it, but you want something more from the quarterbacks when yeah. you're watching them. But like if someone asks you, like, well, what is it? You're kind of just like, more, you well, know, like statistically, they're fine. Like, yeah. Like if you look at JT's numbers in the last two scrimmages, he has good numbers. Yeah. And so it's just the eye test sometimes isn't there with all four of them, it's not there. With JT, it's there a little bit more, and I think that's why we lean more towards him. Um, and then you go with 11 games under his belt. That also helps, too. But I don't know, especially comparing JT to himself last fall, it's just a difference. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like there's a lot of factors that could influence that this time around. It's just it's interesting seeing how no one would really separate themselves, especially when Graham Harrell said that that would happen. Yeah. Isn't it also a benefit of the offense if, that if the – you can sit there and feel like you want more out of the out of the quarterbacks, but the offense is still productive and the quarterbacks are still being productive and their numbers are fine and all that kind of stuff. Isn't that a good sign too? Like I just go keep going back to how much of this is the offense is designed to be more efficient than anything and not have wow plays um, based on singular, you know, individuals making plays because last year, if USC was making big plays, it's because the individuals had highlight real plays. And you remember those big plays. You remember Michael Pittman going up for a big catch. You remember uh, the, the the back shoulder pass that JT Daniels had to Tyler Vons against Washington State. You remember those kind of moments, good and bad. Whereas I feel like this offense is designed to just be strictly efficient in terms of taking what the defense gives you, 
moving up and down, dinking and dunking and all that kind of stuff, which means it might be a little bit less spectacular, but it's going to be more efficient in the long run. Uh, now, mind you, I haven't seen practice. So, like, is this just me just, hype, you know, hypothesizing about this or do you guys see that? Well, I think that was one of my issues with the scrimmage is it felt a little bit too much like last year's offense where there were a lot of big plays and there was a lot of, wow, that guy made a huge play and that's the only reason that worked. Like, wow, there mm-hmm. were a lot of jump balls. Like, uh, that, and I maybe, maybe, I mean, I don't want that to become the whole narrative though, because that wasn't the whole scrimmage. It was just the big plays in the scrimmage. So like, you know, I could point to every touchdown and tell you why it was a little bit of a potential mirage and it's weird because that was the whole thing going into it it's what everyone expected what's going to be the highlight of the scrimmage yeah it's going to be the receivers and it was yeah that was the highlight shocker yeah i noticed the same thing in that it obviously the big plays will stand out but it stood out in the sense that it was like we're not just relying on those again right yeah and I don't think we necessarily saw that in practice before the fall showcase. The weird thing to me about the showcase was that I felt like sacks weren't really called. Not at all. And there were th- plays that went through that I was like, in a real game, that's not happening. Well, like, there was there, there was, was a Valus catch where I was like, that is down. Like, that is not a, a catch made. Someone's getting sacked there. There and- was one play where I thought Abdul Malik McLean would have mm-hmm. destroyed JT Daniels. Mm-hmm. And they... they- let that one. I think that was a touchdown. I think that was the touchdown to Eric Cromenhoek that Greg Johnson totally quit. Down, yeah. So again, like that again on paper, JT Daniels gets it a long touchdown pass to a tight end. Yay! On the other hand, it's like no, that was a blindside sack where the quarterback's probably injured, and the nickelback there should really not let that pass go through, and the quarterback probably shouldn't be making that throw because Eric Cromenhoek is not in a great position to make the catch that he did make. So like. I don't know. I'm being overly pessimistic again, and I'm sorry. But that's why I'm always pessimistic cautious. Pessimistic Alicia is out in full force. That's why I'm always cautious with practice evaluation, just because it's it's so not realistic to what we actually see in a game. Yeah. Right. And when this offense looks like it can it can really drive down the field, it doesn't really happen sometimes when you put real live defenders up against them. And so that's yeah. why I'm cautious about all of this. And that's why it was weird to see this offense almost a little bit different from what we've seen prior to the showcase because it just didn't seem as efficient do you do you think i don't know if this is a question that we got or something that somebody brought up on slack but do you think that they vanillaized the off the the or do do i would assume like did we see the offense for real in that scrimmage probably not probably not in the cadence i think there was a question about it probably not in the sequence Let's see, let's get to that question because we got a, a Slack message from Stu who says, "Do you think that the plays that SC ran are ones that they would normally run, but not against the scenario that played on out on Saturday? Meaning Graham Harold didn't want to give away the ebb and flow of which he calls plays. The game is coming up, and like Dan Weber mentioned in instant analysis, you never do something like this with a game two weeks away." Yeah, I I feel like they didn't show their full hand. I was. I, did you feel like we saw crossing routes? I feel like we didn't see a lot of those. Not in this. Not in the number or variety that we have seen in practice. It, yeah, it was basically it was a ton of posts and it was a ton of we didn't out even routes. see a lot of yeah we, we, the, the sort of normal little short out routes mm-hmm. and some slants and that was 
pretty much and well and some goes but that that was pretty much it right i think it's a i i remember in practices seeing it just a, it's more complicated than that yeah and it catches defenders by surprise where some guy slips slips, slips through, through and there's yeah. open grass somewhere and so that is where i think that the difference is in the fall showcase which is right. what we've seen well and then there was that weird thing that clay helton said in the post-game presser about like running against numbers that was like but isn't that what this whole offense is designed to not do to what not he, he said something about so the running game was just okay right when yeah he, that when he was yeah. talking about that and then he said you know we ran into numbers in the box or something like that and like i wish i knew the i wish i had the full quote but it was something like that where it was like but isn't that this offense is, is designed specifically not to do that so again was it like i don't know how much of of the again, like like I was getting at earlier, it didn't feel like the same kind of offense that we've been seeing in practice. It felt more like last year's offense. Which, if I want to give the benefit of the doubt, maybe I, I get the quote right here. By the way, okay. So <laughs> we use this thing called uh, Otter that that transcribes changed pieces. my life. It, it's amazing, but this might not be completely word for word with how it transcribed <laughs> Clay yeah. Helton. So just take that for a grain of salt. He was asked, what's your assessment of the running attack? I thought it was just okay. Look forward to going back to Washington Fell. I'm guessing it says watching some <laughs> film. Watching the film. Mm. <laughs> uh, but there were some holes that got hit. And then there were some times with the loaded box that we shot the ball up in there anyway. Uh, before some runs wanted to see it. Yeah. That, that's what he said. Which, uh, again, I, I th- that just sort of struck me as, that's a weird thing to say, but... If you're trying not to show your hand, then maybe that is what you do. You don't show them I, I what you'll you do against particularly defense, particular defenses. Yeah, I think you want to go vanilla in that situation. Um, not just because you want to be worried about whether or not Fresno State or Stanford or UW or Utah has you know a, a spy in there, but also because I think the whole point of the the fall showcase was to show off your playmakers. How do you show off your playmakers by throwing the ball a lot? And yeah, I, I guess maybe they could have avoided those runs because you don't want to have a running game that that ended up being poor in, in the fall showcase. But I I think that having a super pass heavy attack was always going to be the plan. You have to be able to market your passing game, and and not that that's your your main focus as a coach, but I think that that's a positive way to to end your fall camp. By going back and relying on your playmakers, because when you have all the receivers that USC has, you end up with your second teamers being like Devin Williams going up against Jaden Williams, and he's not going to stop anybody compared to Devin Williams, how good Devin Williams is. So I I think it's going to be a lot different. So I wouldn't put too much stock into it that way. But that's just me. I didn't see it. Yeah, I think that's why I came away a little bit different than you did and that's why the the car cast I was like oh okay yeah. I like I I just, I just don't think I put too much stock into it yeah rather than the whole of what we've seen right yeah that's fair that's fair. but I think also I've gotten steadily more and more frustrated with the whole of what we've seen in the sense of like I'm waiting to be impressed guys impress me and every time they don't impress me then it's like aren't you impressing yeah. me yet? <laughs> you know yeah well we're talking about observations I do want to get to an email we got from Michael in Long Beach who says Hey, Alicia and Michael. Great name, by the way. It is a great name. Michael's a great name. Uh, here's my list of MVP candidates 
for the fall case scrimmage, fall showcase scrimmage. Wanted to get your thoughts. And this is in like 72 point bold font. Ben Griffiths. He freaking boomed that last punt. I think it cleared the top of the Coliseum. When will the 24 jersey be available for purchase? Fight on Michael from Long Beach. What do you guys think? Was Ben Griffiths truly the MVP of the fall showcase? He was awesome. It was definitely really cool to watch the, that the boom happen. and onion. The nice. boom and onion. Nice. Yes. Did he live up to the hype? Because we've hyped him. Yeah. I, yeah, I thought he did because I was there with my friends. We were like, okay, we've heard a lot about this guy. What's he gonna do? He did exactly what the hype was. It was it was yeah. what you would have wanted to see. Yeah. Plus, I think we've seen better from him. Oh, we've seen much better. From yeah. Him. So you haven't seen anything. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you ain't seen see nothing. More, yeah. You haven't seen him boot a, a kick fifty yards with backspin on it, curling into the corner of the end zone where it literally sticks at the sideline. Like just yes, Keely he just made a. Okay. Now yeah. we were wondering, do you think they'd bring him out for longer field goal attempts? I no, because I think it's no. a different type of kicking. Yeah. yeah. Right. The mechanics are different. Um, yeah. And I think, I, I correct me if I'm wrong, Keely, but like Chase McGrath has pretty good range. Michael Brown has pretty good range. Like, Yeah. I was going to say, I was surprised how well Chase McGrath kicked on, on yeah. Saturday. And I, I didn't know how how close he was to coming back from that ACL tear, but he looks like he's good to go. He's healthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, I didn't think that kicking, aside from Griffiths, was that great at the showcase, but... It's kicking. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Hey, kickers are people, too. Uh, really quick, though. MVPs. Kenneth, who you got? Hmm. I'm going to go with... I'll go with... I'll change mine to Michael Pittman. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's there's Devin Williams, but it feels kind of unfair to pick him. Yeah, De- Devin Williams has gotten to beat up on some... Poor secondary guys who probably aren't going to see much of the field. So he's been amazing, but everything with Devin Williams, I feel like you got to put some context on. There's <laughs> always an asterisk, great. yeah. Yeah, I, which so I, I feel bad. I feel bad doing because he can only go against who, who he goes guess, against. Yeah. He also has a dropping problem, though, uh, which and, and the thing is, is like some of the national guys came to the showcase and only saw that version of Devin Williams and were like. Mark Devin Williams down, like he's gonna be the guy, and it's like I he can be, he definitely can be. be but, one of the guys, yeah, one of the but guys. He's but he's still fourth in the pecking order, yeah, or maybe like fifth. But I mean, yeah. yeah, but he he has he described it as a focus problem, but it's it's a dropping problem. Yeah. So he hasn't been consistent in practice, and Chris Steele lets him know about it. But <laughs> that's the thing is like I'm I'm pumping the brakes on the Devin Williams hype until he gets that <laughs> consistency. Right, right. Well, and and that's that's the thing about young receivers often is mm-hmm. they they do need to come into their own as far as their focus and stuff like that. But um, I was really happy to see Michael Pittman have a good day because he I don't know maybe Keeley has perspective on this too, but like he'd been really quiet in fall camp compared to spring camp, right? Verbally or in his no, play? like in terms of like the big plays that he like his, his like the last week of fall camp, I just felt like I rarely ever noted him doing something particularly great where like Tyler Vons and Amon Ross St. Brown were and Devin Williams were sort of or Drake London or you know those guys were sort of popping up more often I think he made the catches that you just know and expect him to make maybe not the crazy ones that we saw in the first couple weeks of fall camp right um but just from like I thought he was a 
a trash talker in spring. And that kind of subsided Quite in fall, downside. which was interesting. Yeah. Devin Williams kind of took that. Took that, that mantle. Yeah, he did. But <laughs> but that's the interesting thing about Pittman and, and even Tyler Rollins. They've been kind of quiet with yeah. everyone else popping up around them, which is interesting when you look at this whole wide receiver group as a whole. Yeah. Maybe it's just a sort of different dynamic. Maybe they feel they don't need to talk because others are the, they're now the veterans yeah which is crazy yeah yeah the big takeaway there is that the receivers were the big story in the fall showcase Uh, let's talk about fall camp a little bit which did come to an end on saturday in the showcase we got a message from top trojan fan what was the biggest difference that you noticed in fall camp this year keely what say you Ooh, i talked about this on the family feud podcast plug um (laughs) i just felt like fall camp lacked a certain oomph this year in the sense that i they just went straight into regular season scheduling, which I feel like you should reserve for the regular season. Fall camp has this vibe to me that you're going all the time. You're tired. You don't know what's coming next. There might be no pads one day, full pads the next. You knew everything that was coming just because it was it was regular season schedule. And to me, it felt like a little kind of anticlimactic. I, I like the, the madness that comes with fall camp. So to me, I think that was just the biggest difference overall. I couldn't agree more. It felt very routine. Mm-hmm. And I agree with you that that's probably not a good thing for what is supposed to be a sort of like get you ready, get you pumped, get you sort of embedded. You can keep the routine for game weeks. I mean, you can keep the routine for mock game week that is <laughs> yeah. literally coming up, but that it felt like they were in the same scheduling for the two weeks of fall camp. It just I, I don't considering what happened last year. Yeah, and that's the thing. I don't want. I hate to be the person who keeps banging the practice but it's drum through that lens. It has to be through that lens. Mm-hmm. And and when you have your players like Aka Cedric Ware saying, "Hey, we're not practicing hard enough. We're not caring in practice." You got to keep bad it optics. right. Yeah. You got to keep it fresh. You got to keep guys interested. And to start out the season with something that you know you're going to do for the next 12, 16 weeks, how does that help anyone? You no. know, I, I this is a team in last season where they weren't used to jumping the mental hurdles when adversity came and i feel like throwing things their way where they're not expecting it helps that whole mental hurdle thing you know so i to me it just seemed like why are you doing a routine right now but i i feel like sometimes that's a little too complainy but i think it it holds merit when you go five and seven and there's issues well and and that's one of the things that i am considering with the way that i'm looking at this team right now is that they are under the cloud of five and seven like they don't get any of my benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Yeah. They have to earn it in games uh, because they could practice like this if they win. And if they don't, exactly. then this is going to be what people complain about. I mean, nobody talked about practice in 2016 when they were doing no pads November because they went and they beat Washington. So nobody cared. Uh, if you win, yeah. you can get away with so much of this stuff. Um, you know, I was just listening to. Uh, tunnel vision that you guys do over uscfootball.com and I thought Shotgun nailed it about a question about whether or not they did uh, the the team did an you know off off field you know extracurricular activity during camp and he's like how how can they publicize that when anything that they do right now people get mad that they're not on the practice field practicing yeah because when when you go five and seven people want you to be on that field twenty four seven every moment of the day. Uh, but when you're winning, people don't care what the hell you do. You can jump off the, the diving board at Swim with Mike as much as you want, and people love it. Uh, it's a completely different story when it's 
5, and 7, which kind of leads us to a question we got from John in Oakland who says, Hi guys, based solely on what you saw in the Fall Showcase on Saturday and using the scale of better, the same, or worse, how would you rate the play of each unit compared to the end of the season last year in the UCLA game? Please rate the O-line, running backs, tight ends, receivers, quarterbacks, D-line, linebackers, secondary, and special teams. For example, the defensive line now is clearly better than the defensive line that played in the UCLA game. Fight on John in Oakland. Well, so are we not comparing are we not comparing to the Notre Dame game because we looked better that game? <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. Either way, I just but consider a conglomerate between <laughs> those two. And let's say just end of the season, yeah. By okay. the, end the, of the, season. The, the end of the season. So I'm going to pick one of one of these for each of you guys. Oh uh, the the offensive line, Alicia, better now, same, or worse from then? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. And this is the it worst It couldn't one. be worse than last year, so I'll say technically it's better, but I don't know how much better. The upgrade of, of Brett Nealon, you ha- I think you have to lot. say it better. It helps a lot, yeah. Yeah, that you, you'd have to think that would be a plus there. Uh, running backs, Keely. I don't know if I can give a, a full educated answer just because Vi Malapea has been out for so long. Yeah. I don't think we really know yet. And I and Clay Hilton has said that Stephen Carr's burst is back, but I'm I'm, I'm waiting. Really I'm waiting to, to vote on that. So can I yeah. say the same, maybe? Yeah. All right. Sure. That, 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 that's fair. Uh, Kenneth, we'll give you both tight ends and wide receivers. Wide receivers feels easy, better. That's, that's the star going into right. this season. Mm-hmm. Tight ends... That's so hard to say. It feels kind of similar to to the O line where you couldn't imagine it being worse. So I, I, I think they look better. <laughs> I I genuinely think USC's tight ends are better this year. That's good. Are they, are they blocking better? That that was the the issue last year. Are they are they really even blocking all that much? Like I think that might be better for them in the sense that like I haven't noticed them being key blockers the way that they normally need to be. Actually, I did see Josh Follow make a hell of a block on one goal line play that I was like, damn, Josh Follow. <laughs> um, I don't remember if that was a run or like a little pass outside or not, though. Formation-wise, where they've been putting the tight ends is really interesting, too. Just yeah. seeing like the H-back, stuff like that. It's like, I'm curious to see how much that evolves over the course of the season. Yeah. Well, I think that sets them up to do more blocking that's in line with what they can. Like, they're not asking them to block defensive ends anymore, I think, Yeah, from I, what I could tell. The jury's still out, though, for me on whether or not the blocking has improved. Right. But the pass catching has improved. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Let's talk about quarterbacks, Keely. I would say better. It has to be, because it's the same guys, but more experience across the board. And I think even just from spring to fall, Matt Fink, Jack Sears, they look better. So I will go with better. Alicia, D-line? Um... Better. Yeah, I think better. Um, Again, well, yeah, I'm just (laughs) going to keep it simple. Better. They have to prove it, though. They really do have to prove it. But, like, this is the the zero-sum game thing that you can talk about with the scrimmage. Uh, USC was not able to run the ball at all, but is that because USC's front seven did a really good job of, you know, gap control and all of that kind of stuff? Like, I I think I I really like a lot of USC's defensive linemen. Linebackers, you want to take that again, Alicia, and then we'll work our way back to to Kenny. Oh, uh, better? Uh, same, same, same. Right. I don't know. I don't know. I'm really curious about this whole Pal EA John Houston experiment. Yeah. I don't. I honestly don't in, know how, what, how that's going to work. Like, like the different positioning of them. 
Yeah, I for some reason I'm curious if if I'm not sure what they want out of the mic role right now. Exactly. And so that's one of those two. I know I'm saying this every position group, but it's a wait and see. I yeah. really want to see how they how they use that position and how, what they want from John Houston because I don't know. And when you take away Cam Smith, who was the leading led the team in tackles for the last like three years, almost four before he tore his ACL, I I don't know. I really can't say. Well, fit, I think uh, athletically you've upgraded. With having Ian Ateote out there, but that yeah. doesn't mean that you've upgraded with the mental side of the game because that's where that's ultimately what's going to have to come through. Mm-hmm. Um, with the outside linebackers, I I think that the outside linebackers have a good job, a good chance to be better. But again, I thought that the outside linebackers looked good this time last year too. So I'm very much in a wait and see on that too. Keely, secondary. Ooh. <sighs> <laughs> okay, I feel bad saying this, but I think you just have to say worse. Uh, you, you, you can't from, avoid from it. a pure experience standpoint. Yeah. yeah, I mean they lost too many starters. I don't, I don't think that's a bad thing in the sense of I don't think it's an indictment on this group as much no. as it is yeah. giving credit to the experience that they had before. So they need to to get better as the season goes on. But like right now, I think it has to be worse. Like yeah, get, getting. The Man of Steel himself, that Chris <laughs> is huge for USC. Yeah, right. But you, but the fact is, you don't have a Biggie Marshall. Like you, you're going into the season, you don't have an, all-American a, an absolute thirteen All American Jack Jones. Uh, but you don't have an absolute like this guy is your shutdown corner. I I don't know who USC shutdown corner is. I don't know if USC safeties will be healthy. Uh, so like <laughs> yeah. so many questions. Well, speaking of third-team All-American Jack Jones, he's now at ASU. Kenny, that's your alma mater. How excited are you to have Jack Jones back on your side? Uh, so many friends asked me, both USC and ASU friends, like how I felt about the news. And ASU fans were like, how is this guy? Like, what do you think of him? And I was like, he was a third-team All-American <laughs> in the funniest possible sense. We say that as a joke. But I don't know. I hope he does well there. Um, watch him pick off JT for pick six right away. I it's gonna be amazing. Whatever happens in that game, either he's yeah. gonna have two picks or he's gonna get burned twice. It's gonna be either or one. both. I think bo- <laughs> both. Both. Honestly, <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be spectacularly amazing in the sense that he's gonna yeah. have a really good game and a really bad he, game simultaneously. Can't like JT, right? Well, let's talk about special teams. Uh, let's <laughs> wrap it up there. Um. Better because you have the Aussie. Oi, oi. Aussie, Aussie, yeah. Aussie. <laughs> My God, Ben Griffith. Yeah. I mean, he alone makes it better. Makes mm-hmm. it better. I will say, though, there was twice where I think it was the, <laughs> it was a PAT or field goal. So there was like 10 men on the field and someone came in it was like embarrassing. twice yeah. and it was just like, oh. Why is uh, this happening? I've now really said this phrase way too often over the last two years, but like they spend way too much time on special teams to have this many special teams snafus, like just in the I simple personnel stuff. For this. Yeah. But like in the playmaking special, like I actually, I like Tyler Vons' USC's punt returner. I like mm-hmm. uh, Valus Jones or whoever, the, like no matter who USC has back out there for kickoff returns, like they're going to be pretty good. Ben Griffiths is legitimately an amazing punter. He's a future Ray guy award winner and four-time All-American. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, and I, and I'm pretty confident Michael Brown and Chase McGrath between the two of them, somebody's going to get the job done. So like in terms of the, the specialist positions, I think you're, 
look, you're in really good shape. But coverage, getting guys out there in the order that you need them, uh, not having penalties, all that kind of stuff. Uh, we'll see. But those are things yeah. you can fix. And in, for as much as they practice theory? it, they should fix it. Yeah. yeah. I actually think that's a bit of optimistic, Keely, but... Yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's uh, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and talk more about the season that's coming up for USC in 2019. We'll be right back. All right, guys, let's talk about the anticipations of the upcoming season for the Trojans in 2019. You know, this has been the longest off season of our lives. Like, how do you balance the excitement of college football finally being here and you know we look forward to as college football fans for the first week of the year and always looking forward to it but how do you balance that with tempering your expectations slash you don't know what the hell's gonna go on with this team this year Alicia like how do you, how do you balance that I'm just really excited to know at this stage like I just want the season to start so that I can stop speculating and start actually seeing what is actually like if this team is four and eight or eight and four, I'd rather just I'd rather know. You, you know what it reminds answer. me of? It's like when you've had a crush on someone for a long time and you're like, I'm just gonna ask. And then you know. Either they're gonna say yes or no, and yeah. it's over at least then. Yeah, and you the purgatory stops. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, that's exact purgatory is the exact right phrasing for what this offseason is. This has been purgatory. Well, and, and we're about to find out. Which way we're we're going up or down? Because everyone says they can't predict what USC will be this year. That's basically yeah. Yeah. the consensus. Yeah, my my worst nightmare is mediocrity. Is yeah. is eight and four, seven and five, just enough, just enough positives that Clay Helton doesn't get fired, but not enough positives that make you think like maybe this or is or that make you enjoy tournament. the season. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, nothing is as bad as a five and seven season. Like, USC fans don't worse. know how to lose. No. Like, this was not something that they had experience in, and getting the, the mentions, the Twitter hit, like, <laughs> fury of it was not fun at yeah. all. So anything other than a losing season, I think I'll be okay with. But at I least with 5 will... and 7, with with if, if 5 and 7 happens again, then we can all just move on. I think the fans will be like that, though, unless we're in the playoff this yeah. year, which is insane. They'll be like that at 8-4. and four. They, they also... Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs? Oh, you kidding oh trust me? me, I'm not talking about playoffs. <laughs> but I, I think the fans, they have the weird double think of this team can't win a single game and if they don't make the playoffs I'm going to be pissed at them. Well, USC could make the playoffs and people would still be mad if they lose in the first round. Yeah. But I think the difference is that 5-7 and seven, you didn't have what we saw prior to that season where there were the patches of, but Clay's great. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah. this is still great, guys. You guys are just negative. It was everyone like, this is horrible. Yeah. So, yeah. like, I, I feel like if there is winning, you'll see those patches of people come back. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Well, and, and it'll be more fun at least a few, like... You're watching... Five and seven was USC just soul-sucking. Like, yeah. the 2017 season was semi-soul-sucking in, in a lot of different ways, but at least you can Not point to at least they though. won, you know? At least you it got... has at, awesome moments in you, it. You got the Texas Rojo game was, was super great. fun. Yeah. Yeah. Stanford. Yeah. Uh, Stanford, the Stanford, was, Stanford both, both times yeah. were really fun. Yeah, there were fun games where last year there were no fun. Like, even the wins were... 
Like did, last, okay, hold on. I'm, my memory didn't is the now. 2017 season. That was the Pac-12 championship. Yes, that was season. the Pac-12. Yeah, <laughs> you talk yeah. about it like they didn't even do that. No, but like people were acting like you know that people yeah. were like in mourning as though they hadn't won the Pac-12 championship. Yeah. But last year, like, was it last year that the Arizona game was the stupid? Yes. Oh, the black hole of penalties. That, yes, yeah, that, that feels like a lifetime ago. <laughs> I know, right? I was like, wait, that was 2018. The, the, the best game of last year is the Washington State game. Yeah, and that was. That and was not fun. No. <laughs> wow. Granted, yeah. I watched that in a bar in Dayton, Ohio, <laughs> like in, in at like two, one o'clock in the morning. I was very tired. So, yeah. Yeah. And that's a game that everyone will remember for the missed uh, targeting penalties on Port oh, Augusta. Oh, yeah. The, and it Logan was just drama. Yep. Then it was just like arguing back and forth about, you know, who was worse with the refs and rigging mm-hmm. things, even though. So even though it's the game in which you know it, it felt good for SC to get that win over Especially a team the more that, that Wazoo won, yeah. yeah, they didn't they win eleven games. So like it was a team that that did a lot and accomplished a lot. You should feel good about that win because it was SC's best win of the season. But there were no reason to you know that they win didn't age well in the sense that SC kept losing. It was yeah. a game with with all the controversy and all that stuff. So you couldn't even really enjoy it if you're a USC fan. Uh, that much, but talking about this season, what are you looking forward to the most, Kenny? I'm looking forward to a fun offense. I mean, you guys have brought this up before, but the worst types of losses are ones like that Stanford game last year. Cal. Yeah. And Cal. I mean, Cal (laughs) felt worse, but like the Stanford game was so dull. Yes. Because just nothing was happening on offense. It was just Bad play, bad play, chuck it. Maybe you'll get yards, and sometimes they did, but you have to imagine that that won't be the case this year. And I remember, I mean, it's easy to say this after the fact, especially when you win, but games like the Rose Bowl when it was getting down to the wire where it it was like, you know what, no matter who wins this, this was an awesome game. And if there are more games like that, then even going 8-4, and which still is the worst-case scenario... I think is fun because also the fun in that is that you, you at any point you could smack a team in the pack 12, you could right. smack down a team that's doing way better than you. Yeah. If you're going to lose, make it a big 12 style loss. And yeah. we've talked about that on the podcast before the whole big 12 bad thing. Yeah. It's really just, just be entertaining. That's what people want. Well, because look at those bad big 12 teams that lost at the time still lose by seven to Oklahoma. Right, exactly. Which, I mean, who knows? We, we might say this now, and then you get to that point, and then it's infuriating, and there's a million calls in the tunnel vision of people wanting to jump off oh boy. you know, bridges because of some missed penalty or whatever it is, and you know, it's going to rile things up the other way. But yeah, I, I think the offense is definitely a reason to be excited for the season. Keely, how about you? What, what is the thing that's exciting you for, for this college football season? So I have two. I have one. Personally, I'm really excited to go to UW. I didn't get to go in 2016. It's the last Pac-12 school that I haven't been to yet. So I'll be knocking that one off. Excited about that. But I think kind of what Kenny said, it's, you know, this is the first time USC hasn't had a play left over from the Pete Carroll era. You know, this is someone who came in with their own offense that they run, that they know. um, And hopefully for USC fans can run it well. And I'm excited to see what that looks like with as talented as USC's players are. You know, how can this team look if they are put in a, a position to succeed? So that's what I'm most 
looking forward to. Yeah, I'll I'll echo all of those things, but I'll add on a personal note. I'm really excited to be back on the field taking pictures. Yeah, nice. I, yeah, game days are always great. Yeah, so self centered. I know. <laughs> I know. I I'm looking forward to the offense and the Coliseum. I want to see what the press box is like. I want to see what the scholarship tower is like. I want to see all that kind of stuff because I missed the whole, uh, you know, renovation ceremony last week, and I was I had serious FOMO about it. I, I have strong opinions about pictures I've seen, but serious FOMO. <laughs> uh, let's talk about things that you're dreading. Uh, maybe you're dreading the struggles with the offense or the running game or Twitter or whatever. What is it for you, Keely? I'm dreading the potential of how USC this season could get. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is that it could no, be... No, 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 we, we know what that <laughs> We all know. <laughs> okay, yeah, I'm glad you guys know. But, like, you, this could be... Lynn Swan could be gone. Then maybe Helton's gone. What's happening? Who's the interim head coach? Madness, madness. And we're on the road to Notre Dame because that's happened before. And I could see it happening again. You know, I, I there's so many things that could just blow up in fans' faces this season, or it could just be purgatory. We don't know what's happening the or whole season. Or they could season. go to the playoff. Like, like that's how that's wide range saying. this season could be. And that's the whole part of USC being USC. And I think that's what I'm dreading is you just don't know where it could be it on either side. It is teed up to side. be the most USC season yes. ever. Yes, like, without a doubt. There's, there's a chance. I mean, like, a joke on another show is that, like, USC is for sure going 0-6, like, to start it. Because they're, like, none of those looks like an easy win, like, at all. That At best, they're toss-ups. I, I don't think that's going to happen. But it, on the other hand, if USC wins those first six games, they might be a top-10 team by that point. From unranked to top-10. Might 10. be. Yes. If SC is 6-0, they're number one in the country. Maybe well, number oh, yeah. two. Not that far. Okay, <laughs> hold on. Hold no, on. I'm, no, I'm dead serious. Well, I think if, how many of if those SC teams goes are six ranked? and zero, yeah, they would have beaten Everyone Washington. But Fresno State no, is ranked, they're not right? ranked over Clemson or Alabama or Oklahoma, though. Okay, okay. Dependent on they're Alabama top, they're and Clemson having sure. a loss. No, they're top three. Uh, with just Pac-12 top five. Look at, look okay, at guys, their resume. Guys, now, th- I'm glad. Hold on. It's, it's, we're it's getting not way ahead of ourselves right now. Obviously, it's not going to happen. But I'm just saying, like, if no, we're talking about it from a, a, a hypothetical exercise. No, but none, of, in the none of the teams that you, but none of the teams that USC will have had to beat in those first six games will are be a top ten. Our top ten well, teams. Right they're now. not right now. But Notre, so Dame, like Notre Dame could be. Yeah. Yeah. And that game would have game day in the whole yeah, bit. Yeah, but the, USC beating Notre Dame isn't going to launch them to, like, top three. They, all be, those you're games out of your mind. You're out of your mind. I think it'd be top five. Do I you could know how much five. the pollsters love a good USC? Do you know how oh, much yeah, the pollsters love Alabama and Clemson, Michael? Oh, sure. That's why I'm saying it's dependent well, but on But they love them because kind of. those teams are in a different... Yeah. We can't worry about them. No, I'm not saying SC would literally be the best team in the country, but I think there's a very legitimate... Yeah, they could be ranked. Be ranked like top. It, so. I think what points to Michael's point is I, I was kind of miffed that Utah seemed to be the trendy pick. People were kind of like, eh, and I'm choosing Utah. And I was like, okay, I guess. Like, do you not realize the history? U- Utah's yeah. kind of Utah. <laughs> no, th- that's me with Oregon. I don't get the Oregon stuff. Yeah, Oregon, be, uh, your tweet on Monday, Michael, about people putting Oregon ahead of Washington and Utah. Yeah. Makes no sense to makes me. Makes no sense at all. Like, Oregon is getting way overhyped at this stage. And they could be really good, but, like, the proof needs to be there before I 
jump on that bandwagon. Which right. is the Michael's point is if USC even shows signs of life, people are gonna be like, USC, USC's back. Oh, we, USC's right. back. We were talking yeah. about this early on. USC will be ranked after week two if they've won the first two games. Uh, yes. Unless Northwestern beats Stanford. Yeah. But let's yeah. Let, let's say USC, if USC beats Notre Dame, and let's say that Notre Dame has risen to number six or so. If USC beats Notre Dame and goes... And they've they, won everything up They would be 6-0, and oh, right? Yeah. The USC is quote-unquote back thing will be back. Oh, yeah. Oh, 100%. Can I just request that when... We're heading into the Notre Dame preview podcast and the team's like two and three. Please just <laughs> yeah. put this in there and be like, we're really dumb. <laughs> hey, no, we can have a whole... Five. We're not we're saying this is going on. to happen. We we're not saying this is going to happen. If, if USC is two and three, like, well, what is the threshold for Clay Helton getting fired? By how, that point. How early can Clay Helton get fired? Because I, I we can have this conversation, too. Because uh, if, uh, if USC's 0-3, is Clay Helton still the head coach in week four? Week four... four? Right, if they've lost the first, if Clay I think Hilton it's, loses I think it's to Utah. Fresno State, is he I think still it's the coach? I think it's Utah. I think, well, okay. Seriously speaking, I think it's zero and five because of the bye week. The bye yeah. week is after the Washington game. Yeah, that'd be Can the time to do it. Imagine zero and five, guys. Oh, I mean, at that point, though, you know, you know, this team. Is. I don't want to live in a world where USC is own one. I, I don't even oh, think it's just no, that. I don't, I, I don't even think it's just that sense. I, I think if, if SC goes one and and four or two and three, yeah. I think it could happen. I, I do too. See, I have no idea. I if before the whole Lynn Swan statement, I would have been like, yeah, that's sure, for sure happening. I have no Geiger counter for Lynn Swan and what he wants to do. And national people think he'll be gone by October. So like, I really don't know. But here's the thing. If for some reason the the record predictions you guys are saying are true and a coach is fired in the bye week prior to Notre Dame, it's going to be almost Again. exactly what happened last time, which is and just the last time before that. Yeah. And, and that's the thing, too, is like, does USC yeah. really want to be the team that fires three straight coaches midseason? Granted, Sark was for a different reason. We right. get that. But I just think that from a national optics but standpoint, I, I will stand by what I've been saying this whole offseason. USC has showed us time and again they don't they really don't care. care about optics. <laughs> they yeah. are, or they're bad. They're either bad or don't care yeah. about them. Yeah, but uh, see that, that's why I, th- I think it has to be. I, I keep going back to what Ryan Abraham has always said: if it's super bad, if it's two and four, if it's one and five, zero oh and four, whatever th- that is, I think there is a point of no return where you just have to. Um, I think if it's three yeah. and three. You can talk yourself out of it and be like, "We're just going to make the decision at the end of the at the end of the season," I, and I think you could potentially do that if well, it's two and four, depending on how the two and four happens. But yeah, one and five like if, is like it has to happen at one and five. You, you know? If you're two and four, but like you beat Utah and Stanford, yeah. The, if, well, then if then your it's newly like, re- if your newly renovated Coliseum has more booze than cheers, then you're. But we saw that last season. Yeah. No, I don't. That, but that, too, so, yeah. that, so you'd be piling on top of that. But I don't think it season. mattered. But again, I really uh, don't think it mattered. But this is 2013 then, yeah. right? Because the, the end of 2012 should have been the end of Kiffin. Yeah. yeah. But, but well, was it? Well, okay. And then here's my, just to stay on this topic, like here's my devil's advocating-ness. Can you, I know that no one wants USC to be that school that again fires somebody midseason, but can you not fire someone midseason? Because right. the December signing period, yeah. I I don't think you can wait. 
I really don't think you can wait. Here's I think the, you need to have them the fired problem, and hired though. by the start of December. Wait, here's the worst part. The, they'd fire them and then wind up with, like, no one. Yeah. Well. I mean, it's like, I, I guess it's worked out for LSU, but, like, it's still insane to me that they fired Les Miles midseason and they got their interim coach was yeah. who they wound up with as their next head coach. I Yeah, I think that, that the, the only way you can negate the early signing period is if you sign an interim. And there's nobody on the staff that I think should be the next head coach. No. So so I think that if they fired, hypothetically, they fire Clay Helton after the Washington game uh, at the end of September, right? And then you have two and a half months before signing day. You're still not going to hire that new coach until right after the UCLA game. Here's a, here's a major devil's advocate. Urban Someone, Meyer? No. Someone else is hanging around USC lately. That's true. Who you could bring in in October Jack. if you really wanted to. <laughs> See, I, I think if it becomes personal for Lynn Swan, where he feels like it looks bad on him, yeah, and somehow, I mean, the Sharks are circling already Can right now as far as coach, coaches wanting to be the USC head coach. Yeah. If those things kind of all align, I could see that happening. Yeah. I also just want to know, we went zero to a hundred real quick where we were like six and oh, and <laughs> well, then like, the and that's, yeah, that's the USC-ness yes, that's right the there. spectrum right there. Right. No, but uh, d- just really quick on the topic of Lynn Swan. I, uh, not that I was giving a lot of credence to Lynn Swan before this, but having, having listened to that Dan Patrick interview where he referenced not being good in recruiting as part of USC's problem. I don't trust his decision-making or his knowledge of any situation going forward with regards to this football program. So like, like Lynn Swan, I don't think he can look at Owen five and be trusted to look at Owen five as a, as a functional human being who understands what is up and down. Cause anyone who gives the answers that he gave in that interview doesn't know what the heck they're talking about. So yeah. I, I, I've been thinking, like, should the hope be that he just, you know, is not good with words and that he knows more than he's letting on either through an inability to express himself or 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 a willingness not to express himself? And, and should that be the hope? But then I think about it. No, the whole point of him being the, the athletic director was that he was the TV guy. He was yeah. The, yeah. The, the, the broadcaster. The he wasn't going to be the... The, yeah, the, yeah the, the politician, the guy who was going to know how to handle these situations, the guy who was going to be the smooth talker and grease palms and all this kind of stuff. And he huh. hasn't done the that. The opposite of that. Yeah. He is yeah. A bumbling like, like fool he should, when it comes to that kind of stuff. You, you, would, you would think he'd be the one going into Dan Patrick's show and winning that interview and yeah. making you think, you know what? He's right. I've rebought into Clay Helton because of this yeah. thing that he's going to spin Spin at you, and he hasn't been able to do that. No, that and mind statement. you, I don't know what that argument is to 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 rile people up about Clay Helton, but whatever it could have been was not what Lin Swan did. No. I mean, it's it's what you guys have said, though. I don't think he can say that. That it's like, look, all it does take is like that one breakout player, and USC has so much talent that Clay could have the next uh, Sam Darnold and Juju on this team right now, and does. You know, you say something like that. Yeah. You say literally the opposite of what he did say, which is, oh, we haven't recruited, which is a blatant <laughs> lie. USC, that's the whole story, right, of the post-Pete Carroll era, is that right. USC is maybe the most disappointing team consistently based on how well they recruit. Yeah, yeah let's, let's take a quick break. So 
talk about this football team a little bit closer again. What's the biggest concern on offense, Keely, for, for, for SC going into the season? Without a doubt, it would be the offensive line. I think on the whole, they hold the key to whether or not USC is successful in 2019. They, they held the key in 2018 and we saw what happened. It just was not good from that position group. And I think it's the same thing this year. I was concerned from the fall showcase, not running the ball. I thought they the, played better in the the prior scrimmage, mm-hmm. but I just, I, I think I keep hoping that somehow they'll take a jump, like a step forward and I don't see it. And the weird thing about USC is I also get lulled because I watch the team practice so much that like, Oh, maybe you're just not supposed to run the ball well in practice, but, <laughs> and I'm serious, but then no, I'm but like, they, but really no one ever runs the ball well in practice. Yeah, and not so, at USC. And then I'm like, wait a minute, that's not right. No. <laughs> you should be able to do that in practice. So I uh, biggest concern, definitely the offensive line. It, well, you would feel better about that if SC wasn't also a defense that gave up 300 yards to Joshua Kelly. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like if SC was the best running defense in the country year in and year out, and SC just struggled to run in practice, you'd feel better about it. Yeah, without a doubt. But that's not. But that's not the, really case. the case. Yeah. Well, yeah. so th- there's the that's the zero sum portion of this where. Yeah. Is the was the defensive line just really good in that scrimmage? I think that's possible. Where I would be concerned uh, with the offensive line's performance in the middle of the field is that they seem to be winning the battle at the goal line. So what is the difference? Yeah, that's a good question. I also am worried about if there are any injuries at all. Oh, the drop off between the first team and the second team is is really obvious. I don't it's think I've ever. Good. I don't think I've ever seen a bigger drop off. For any USC unit what's from ones to twos. What's scary about that, too, is just based on, again, just the history. That's not an if. That's a when. Yeah, uh, yes. Yeah, that's yes. a great point. I mean, that Washington State game, three guys went down in one, in game, one game. You know, yeah. it just happened. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And that stuff leads to losses, even when you've got Sam Darnold on the team, uh, like it did uh, against uh, the Cougars in 2017. Let's talk about the defense. What's the biggest concern on defense, Alicia, going into this season? Because you mentioned the drop-off from the ones to the twos with the O-line. I'm guessing you're going to say the, the drop-off from the ones to the twos in the secondary, too, especially at cornerback? It's a it's definitely a parallel. Yeah, it's the secondary. It's the cornerbacks. And, and again, these are, these are not, not injury-prone players. Isaac Taylor Stewart has missed time with injury. Elijah Griffin has missed time with injury. Greg Johnson has missed time with injury. Isaiah Polamau, Talano Havanga, all missed time with injury. So there's not a great track record there as far as that's concerned. And yeah, there is a pretty big drop off. I think you can feel fairly confident about the three corners that you have in Isaac Taylor Stewart, Chris Steele, and Elijah Griffin in that at the very least, they're really elite athletes. So you're going to get like a minimum level out of them because they're going to be able to keep up with uh, the receivers that they're going against. But if one or two of them goes down, you're talking about having to throw Adonis Ote or Jaden Williams into the mix. And no offense to those guys, but they're not ready. Like we saw that in the scrimmages. Mm-hmm. They're not ready to go. And, th- and that should not be surprising. They're true freshmen. They have a lot of, uh, of, of time that they need to get, get developed. But even at safety, like, you know, the, they're, Br- Britton Allen is, they don't, they clearly don't think he's ready. Um, Dorian Hewitt, Kyle Adamakaula, they're clearly not thinking about them as safeties straight up right now. Um, Chase Williams is the guy that they'll move over to to fill in at safety, but that means having to have somebody else fill in at nickel. And 
Will you, will, you know, is Greg Johnson even going to be available at nickel? Because again, he's another injury prone player. So I, the, 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 the dominoes that could fall in the secondary, I'm pretty happy with USC starting five in the secondary, but one domino falls and a bunch of them could fall as far as the, the health of that unit. Absolutely. Uh, let's finish up these anticipations with talking about some positives here. Most promising aspect on offense. I feel like this is very close to what we talked about, but what you're looking forward to most. So, Kenny, is it the same answer? Is it just like the offense in general and scoring more points? I don't know. What's your What's your take here? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the it's score more points and it's a new look. It's at least something that should be different this year from, like you guys have said, the differences between Kiffin, Sark, and Helton are, are very minimal. And this is still Helton's team, but this is the first time that I feel confident that the offense is actually going to have a new look. And even yeah. if that's bad, it's at least more interesting than the same kind of bad that we've been seeing. Yeah, 100%. I think that that's exactly the way to look at this offense going forward, that they should just be better by eliminating some of the dumb mistakes they had before. Uh, and if you just finish off one more drive, that's seven more points per game. If you get that drive into the end zone, and that that seven points is going to be the difference of like two or three games that they should have won last year, and then you actually really improve, and you add maybe three more points on top of that, and then you're going to actually be a much better football team. So the pathway to getting better is there. It's just a matter of actually doing it. Yeah, and and well, and one of the things that's going to help contribute to that is that USC has tons of promising players that are young that are in that offense. Um, I was really impressed by Manir McLean, by Drake mm-hmm. London in in fall camp. Two young freshman receivers who probably aren't going to have to be relied on that much, but they're going to be available for USC. And that's not even talking about Kyle Ford. That's not even talking about you know on the off chance that Bru McCoy gets cleared and. His waiver, but you know the 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 receivers who weren't the big hitters in that in that re- uh, recruiting class look really really promising. And you know for for me, I think that USC's running back group has some really promising players. That if that o- if that offensive line does come together, then your running game is going to be a lot better than than uh, people are necessarily thinking going in. But Again, so much does rely on that offensive line. But if you get the offensive line right, like, Vimalapea is legit. Steven Carr is legit. Marquis Stepp is legit. Like, you're not – I mean, Keenan Christian is really, really fast yeah. and could have a role in this whole thing too. So there are a lot of very young, promising players at pretty much every position that if you get that one thing, that, that foundational, the cornerstone of the offensive line settled, the quarterbacks will be better, the wide receivers will be better, the – Running backs will be better. Everything will work out really, really well. There's tons and tons of promise. Yeah, this is an offense you'd want to play with in a video game, right? Yeah. Because there's just so many individual well, uh, players there. Uh, if, you took the offensive, if you took the offensive line out of the equation, I, I think – I wonder how many teams in the Pac-12 would trade their skill position players for oh, USC's. Yeah. That's a great question. Who wouldn't trade if their you, skill position players for USC's? I, I was watching Tunnel Vision on Sunday night. There was a question about what position group would you take? It's Oregon's offensive line. They return everybody. Yeah. They got Penny Sewell. They got all those guys. Yeah, Washington with, with Trey Adams, right? You you put that, that Washington 
Washington or Oregon offensive line with this USC skill position set, and it's a damn good offense. It's yeah. just um, the the other thing is I feel confident in each individual on the USC offensive line. At least Isn't most that of them. Weird? Like I I really like Brett Neal. I, re- I really like Elijah Vera Tucker. I really like Austin Jackson. Is it just recruiting? You know, you know what it is. It's you know how like they always say that. So Congress's approval ratings are always super low, but you ask people their approval rating of their congressman and their or congresswoman, and their approval ratings are usually really high. And there's like this weird dichotomy of like the group of Congress nobody likes, but like the individuals everyone's cool with. It's because when you put people that you like together, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be any good together. Like they're not going to get anything it's, done. It's necessarily. the whole sum of the. The parts kind yeah, of the some of the parts yeah. thing, yeah. Yeah, uh, let's switch over to defense. Most promising part of the defense, Keely. I think this defensive line has the potential to be really good. I mean, you have guys like J. Tufele, Marlon Tuipolotu coming back in their third years, essentially. Um, J. Tufele showed just bright spots in 2018. If he could consistently do that in 2019, that's a guy who's going to tear up opposing offenses. Uh, Christian Rector, I think he has made a jump this this past or this offseason, not only just in the way he plays, but just in a leadership standpoint, too. I've talked to other defensive linemen who are like, he's really taken this group up by storm and, and are leading us to the promised land, if you will. But I, I think he is doing really well. If he can also be that consistent guy that he, we've seen in spurts, you know, I think yeah. with this whole defensive line, we've seen in spurts what they can be. If they can really do that on a consistent basis, I think this can be a really good group. Well, and you throw Drake Jackson in there. Is that yeah, that too. How player? could I forget about him? But yeah, Drake yeah. Jackson, it's just... Brandon Peely, hopefully... Hot damn, that defense. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully Brandon Peely f- applying himself a little bit better. That's the big question, Mark. And every individual on that defensive line, you look at it and go, I really... I mean, straight down to like, Jacob Lichtenstein hasn't practiced at all in the fall, but like, I always he look at him late, going yeah. like, I like that kid. Like, <laughs> And again, I think the hope is that whole thing coming out of fall camp is that Maybe that the reason the offensive line isn't looking as good is that the D line yeah. is legit. That, that's best case scenario. Yes. Yeah, there's there's a lot of things to feel really good uh, about USC if they're able to put it all together. It's just a matter of actually seeing it. Um, that's really what it is. There, there's a million things to to feel pessimistic about this team. A million reasons to feel optimistic. That's um, football, right? And, and yeah. that, that, that's football, that's and it's especially USC and. Yeah. I, I think on the surface, both both opinions, if you're staunchly optimistic or pessimistic about this team, you're wrong. Because I think the, yeah. it's very clearly they're going to be somewhere in the middle. Yeah, probably. But, yeah. But, but there's still the chance that they can just go completely south in every area. And there's also an equally small chance that they could go right in all, every area, too. So it's going to be quite the season. So... We're going to have so much more to talk about USC going into this season. Uh, later on this week, we're going to put together a second part of this roundtable that'll drop on Thursday. So come back for that. Thank you guys for listening, as always. Um, wh- why don't you we go around the horn and throw some plugs out here? Kenny, tell us where we can hear you. Uh, so I'm on Traveler Hates Thursdays. You can find us on any of the podcasting apps or follow us on Twitter at THT underscore USC. Keely? Uh, you can find me at uscfootball.com. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Keely's My Name or all of our accounts, you know, Ryan Abraham, Shotgun, all that good stuff. 
But yeah, that's where you can find me. Old Arnie, you're supposed to say, and go to uscfootball.com for more. uscfootball.com for more. I try. It's yeah. so hard. I Between instant analysis and USC football, I just mash them into one word. It's like instant <laughs> analysis and USC football. It's like it's so hard and people make fun of me for it. Yeah. It's, it's super easy to do that. And you can find us at Reign of Troy at fanside.com. Is our email address, phone number 213-373-1872. Uh, give us your calls and all that kind of stuff. We will talk more about the Trojans going into the season later this week. Until then, we will see ya. See ya. See ya. It was summer camp. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs>